three of seek. Uh, it's so important, again, as I say, that we got to set our eyes on the things that God has for us. Uh, it's not about world strategy. It's not about our own ideas and strategies. It's about, God, what do you have for us? This series has been about the scripture, uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above everything else, and then everything else will be added unto you. Amen. When we do it God's way, when we put God first, then everything else falls in place. Uh, I said it a couple weeks ago. A lot of times what we end up doing is like we tolerate God into what we're doing. So we want to go our way. We want to do our own thing. Like, oh, man, I guess, I guess, yeah, we better put some God in there. We better put some church in there. I guess we better fast a little bit. We better go to a couple of prayer. And it's almost like, oh, no, no, no. Seek first God. It's God's way first. We're following his leading into our life. Amen. Uh, we put in this book, um, when we talk about accomplishing your goals and accomplishing uh, the things that God has for us, uh, and it's this, this way in business too, most people miss their goal, miss what they have, what business has for them or what the you know, accomplishments are ahead for them. Most people miss it, not because it's not attainable. They miss it just because they give up too soon. They just quit on it too early. Are you with me? They do strategies of, of uh, they do market analysis of, of businesses that, that fold or that go under. And they say, it wasn't that it wasn't going to work. It's just that they gave up too soon. And I would say the same thing is about with Christians is many people miss what God has for them. He misses their assignment. You miss all that you could be walking in simply because you just too easily quit. And we, we put all these justifications on it. We say all the time, well, you know, God's called you to something. He's commissioned you in something. And then persecution hits which is laughable in America, by the way, when we say persecution hits. Amen. God's called me to it. He's a son, but I don't like that. I'm offended, right? They're persecuting me. Are you with me? And, 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 and then we make it real spiritual. We say things like, the Lord is closing the door on that, right? We try to make it real churchy all the time for all the reasons that we always quit and don't follow through on what God's called us to. Amen. So it's not that we can't have what God has for us. It's not that we can't make it. It's just because too many of us quit. I put on my Facebook last night, tough seasons don't last, but tough people do. I mean, you know, with all that we've been given as Christians, with all that we're equipped with, I mean, you know, we should be some of the toughest people. Amen. We, we need to be those people tough that can stand. Uh, I thought about it like this. The old saying is this, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. When the, when the season starts to get tough, when it starts to get rough, that's when the tough people start saying, all right, let's do this thing. I'm in it. I was made for this, right? I have a four-wheel drive truck, so when I see all the snow and I see the ice and I see that it's going to be tough, I get excited for the tough truck to get going, right? We, we don't stay in the path. We're making new paths because when it gets tough, the, are you with me? It should be that way as Christians, but a lot of times it's not. Oh, this looks tough. Oh, this looks like it's going to require a lot. And you have four-wheel drive. Is it, are you with me? And we go, oh, no, no. We better, we better stay in and not do what God's called us to do. Amen. No, we, we need to get going. When, you could say it like this. When the, tough get, or when the going gets tough, Christians get gone. Don't we? Oh, I don't like what they're saying over here. And, Christian, and again, let's be careful how we use persecution in America compared to the rest of the world. I don't like what they said, and I don't like how they treat me. And so then we get gone, and we don't accomplish what God has set out for us to do. Amen? The truth is this. It is what we do that makes the difference. It's what we do that makes the difference. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. We have to finish some stuff as Christians. 
We have to accomplish some things as believers. Amen. The world is changed by your action, not by your opinion. So today, I want to talk to you specifically about this term called spiritual warfare. It's wonderful if we have this book. How nice is it if we make goals and we make plans for our family and all that kind of stuff. And you can seek in theory all day long. But if you aren't willing to fight, you're not going to make it. Amen. Come on, guys. You got to be with me this morning. Amen. I know it's cold and we're the front. But here's the deal. If you can seek, the enemy's not scared of you saying, I seek, if he knows you're not going to fight. Spiritual warfare is what the Bible's full of it. And we're going to take a look at it this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 says this. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Good news. That's good news. That's a good bumper sticker. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Scripture is saying what? The one who doesn't quit. The one who stands. The one who stays in it. The one who doesn't let little oppositions all the time cause you to retreat. It's the one who fights in this spiritual warfare. When the Passion of the Christ movie came out, I was maybe 18 or 19. I was a youth pastor at the time. And everybody talked about, oh, when you go there and you see Jesus in the, the crucifixion scene and you see him beat and you see all of these things, it's just going to wreck you. But for me, the scene that caught me the most as a young minister was Jesus gathers up all his disciples. And it's about before he goes to the cross and he says, listen, no servant is greater than their master. And he starts to give them this strong warning of like, look, no servant's greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they're perse going to persecute you. If they lied on me, they're going to lie on you. If they betrayed me, they're going to betray you. And so he's essentially telling them, look, if you're going to do this thing, you better prepare for warfare. You can't just quit. They're not going to throw parades for you every time you show up in the community. It's hard work. It's spiritual warfare. Amen. But here's the advantages that we have, and here's the best part about it, is you're not just left alone in it. You've been given weapons of warfare. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a fight against each other. It's not a fight against the boss. It's not a fight against... It's not about that. It says, but it's against rulers. It's against authorities. It's against powers of this dark world. And it's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And this is the part where you're all like... No, I don't believe it. He, he's gone into cuckoo land. He's talking about spiritual heavenly realms and warfare. And, and this is the part where you just want to hear about how I get blessed, how I make my family happy, how I sing Christian music. But it is so much more than that. Amen. It is so much more than that. And here's the truth. It wouldn't take very long for me to convince you that there's evil. I could go into just this week's news headlines alone and be like, look what happened to this child and look what happened in this part of the world and look what happened. And you would look at that and go, the only way that sadistic type of thing would happen is because there is a thing called evil, spiritual wickedness that's trying to have its way in this world. When the scripture says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, it wouldn't take very long for me to show you the ways that that's happening in our earth. Because there's a spiritual battle that's happening all over the world. It wouldn't take long for me to actually get you to agree that you've experienced something outside of nowhere, of nowhere that's affected you. You've gone along in life, you're doing it, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something bigger than you is affecting you. Maybe it's a depression or an anxiety or a fear or something out of nowhere. What is it? It's in the spiritual realm, and it's trying to bog you down and hinder you. Amen. And the good news is I have hope and faith and trust in Jesus that also out of nowhere, all of those things can be broken off of you. 
When we say break every chain, that's not a good song lyric. We believe that in the heavenly realm, something can be taken from you as much as it gets put on you. But it's a, it's a warfare thing. It matters that we understand that we're in a fight. It also wouldn't take me very long to get you to agree that you're not able to do this thing by yourself. So you say, oh, it's weird, spiritual warfare. But when I sit here and I say, God's with you and he's helping you, you go, yeah, yeah, he is. God is with me. And I feel better about that. But at the same time, you also need to understand there's an enemy that's trying to make an impact on you. The devil, evil, however you want to call it, it's a truth. But the good thing is we win. Amen. Your life no matter how you believe it, you can choose. It's like gravity. I could say, yeah, I don't believe in gravity. I just don't believe in it. But if I jumped off a building, there'd still be gravity. And you could say, I don't believe in a spiritual battle. I don't believe in warfare and all that you're saying. I don't believe in that. But it's still a reality. Do you know that if you ask Jesus how his spiritual life is, he'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. We do that in the church world. So how's your spiritual life? How are you doing? Jesus would be like, what do you mean my spiritual life? Everything is spiritual to me. Every decision I make affects something. Everything I do in the natural has a spiritual ramification. My wife and I are contemplating this decision to make financially, and we're looking at it, and we're saying, should, should we do this or this thing? And, and, and so on the natural, in the natural, and just the X's and O's, we can make it work. We can just do whatever we want to do. It's, it's our decision to make. But spiritually, we understand that this could be a benefit or this could be a deception from the enemy. Do you understand? Every decision is like, God, what's your plan here? Because the enemy, I believe this, there's some businessmen, they're so blessed by God, but they're called to ministry or they're called to be used or they're called. There's some, you look all throughout the world, oh, that creative person. Why doesn't God use him for the kingdom? Because the enemy's blessing him so much, it's keeping him out of the things. Are you with me? And so I believe the enemy knows how to just come in and do the things to keep you away from what you're actually called and assigned to do. Amen. So everything is spiritual. Every single thing is spiritual. And here's what we need to know. Success in the kingdom of God requires warfare. You can't say, oh, they're a better prayer. Oh, they're a better thing. Let, let's let them go do the warfare and I'll just kind of be back here. No, for you to make it, you have got to, the scripture says, put on the whole armor. We'll read some of it in a minute. That's for every single person needs to be equipped for warfare. Amen. It just matters. We're in a fight. Uh, I thought about it like this. I wish Psalm 23 said it like this, as we skip through the meadow of his heavenly garden. But that's not what Psalm 23 says. It says, as we walk through the darkest valley. You know what else it says? I will fear no person. No, it says I will fear no evil. Amen, come on. <laughs> and, and we, the church has preached, this Psalm 23 is famous. That's in the hall of fame of scriptures. And what is that whole thing about? It's talking about spiritual warfare. It's saying it's one thing to seek. It's one thing to make plans. It's one thing to say, God, I'm aiming toward you. I'm going after you. But along the way, when you walk through the darkest valley and you get surrounded by evil, what do you do? You stay close to him and you war. And you, are you with me? So it's just a truth. Romans 12, 21 says this. Do not be overcome by people, but overcome people with good. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Why does the scripture talk so much about evil if it's not something that matters in our day? It's because it does matter in our day. It matters that we understand that we're in a war, that we're in a battle, and God wants us to walk a certain way. Amen. 
Uh, my son, I told you this in the Seek series, uh, he's taught me a lot about seeking. Uh, he's very much into these Lightning McQueen cars, and they're kind of his reward. And so two or three bucks at the store, and they make these little uh, cars with all these different paint schemes and themes from the movie. And so what's interesting about him, he's such a particular kid. Uh, it's like if he's lost one of those cars, so we'll get ready to leave, and he'll be like, I want to bring Lightning McQueen, whatever kind it is. We're like, oh, we don't know where it is, son. And so the whole world shuts down, and we seek until we find. You've heard me give the example. And that's how we need to be as Christians. We're seeking not to just wonder where God is, not to just wonder what God. We're, not, we're on a mission to seek until we find. Amen. Well, he kind of added to the series for me this week uh, as we fight. Like, so we wrestle, and, and, and I just I let him hit me and punch me, and we just really wrestle. Um, I'll be careful what I say, but he's going to be a, he's going to be a man. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so he can come at me and, and we're going to wrestle, but, uh, these cars or these things, I'll, I'll like hide them behind me. I'll like have them on the couch and I just, he'll just run at me and he'll be swinging and kicking and, and, uh, and, and so we're, we're fighting. Now, listen, you know, what he realizes, he realizes along the way while he's seeking, he may have to fight a little. Are you tracking with me? And so, Hey, he doesn't come into the room and seek and see that it's there and go, oh, but I'm going to have to fight. I'm not going to go for it. No, he's going to fight. And then I'll fight him off and I'll throw him. Obviously, you guys know when I say throw him, I mean, there's carpet. He'll hit the wall and hit carpet, so it's fine. It's not on a hard floor. It's just carpet. So I'll throw him and we'll wrestle. And, uh, and if that's not working, he'll retreat back into his room. He'll run into his room. And what he'll do, he'll go get a weapon. He'll get something to hit me with or shoot me with. Why? Because at all costs, no matter what, he's seeking to find and he'll fight along the way. I wonder if heaven is looking down at us and being like, hey, I know you said you're seeking, but are you willing to fight along the way? And if your fighting isn't working, are you willing to go back and get a weapon? Are you with me? We quit. Oh, they're mean. I quit. Oh, they didn't listen to me. I quit. Right? Okay, none of you. That's fine. Uh, and so he, he, he's in it. He's in it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't have to play the world way. We have advantages. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I love that this scripture didn't say they do their best. It says they demolish strongholds like you guaranteed success. We demolish arguments and every pretension uh, that sets itself up against the knowledge, or one says systems, of God. And that we take captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I actually love that those two things were put together. It says spiritual warfare, you have things to do that, but at the same time, you got to put it into your mind. you got to think on it. you got to make it practical in your life, but it's also something that we war in spiritually. Those two things can work together. That's kind of how the Seek book works. God, these are all your principles. These are all your powers. These are all the things that you say. And we're going to put these. We're going to renew our minds. We're going to put them into practice so we can see your success. Amen. Here's how we win. We win with prayer. We win with worship. We win with fasting. We win with confessing our sins. We win with spiritual accountability with our brothers and sisters. That's the way that we win. And those are the weapons that we use. And of course, there's many more. But those things matter. People say, you're sitting here and you say, no, I'm still out. On this spiritual warfare, I'm still out. Uh, it's too cuckoo for me. It's too. Well, then guess what? If you're out on this, then you should be out on prayer. 
You should be out on communion. You should be out on salvation. You should be out on heaven. Because if, it's, if one's in the Bible and the others, they're all together. You don't get to pick and choose. If it's there, then it's there. Amen. So I got five principles, just five quick principles about spiritual warfare. So take these notes, and these things are things that I believe will help you understand spiritual warfare. Point number one, every area of your life is in a war, whether you choose to believe it or not. Every single area of your life is in a war. Your money is in spiritual warfare right now. Are you going to use it uh, the way God's called you to? Are you going to steward it the way that he's called you to? Are you going to live the way that you want to? It's in a war. You get to choose good and evil. Amen. Your mind is in a war. Every single day, your mind is in a war. Your marriage is in a war. Your kids are in a war. Come on. Your future. We pray the price over our futures. Why? Because you're in a spiritual battle. No matter what you believe, you're in a war. Uh, think about it like this. When you got saved, this is a way to think of it. When you got saved, before you were saved, you were walking with the flow of traffic. You were just going with the crowd, the ways of the world. You were just going. But when you got saved and you repented and you did a 180, from then on, you're spending time going against traffic. And it's important that you have a strategy to do that. It's important that you know, hey, I'm in a war. I'm in a battle. I'm going cross current. Are you with me? Because it matters. It just, it just matters that we understand the war that we're in. So you're in a war. Point number two, you must be trained for war. Warriors must be trained. Soldiers must be trained. How idiotic would it be if we as a country just sent out a whole bunch of troops and said, well, they have their armor. We didn't train them. We didn't teach them. We didn't show them how to use it. They don't have any knowledge of it, but they got armor. And so we'll just send them out there. No, you need to be trained on it. Many of us Christians, we do the same thing. We're in spiritual warfare and we go, I got a Bible. I'm not trained in it. I don't understand it. I, don't, I haven't made it a part of it, but I got a Bible. I got some worship music at my house. I, got, I don't use it. I don't make it a part of it. Are you with me? We need to train ourselves, devote ourselves, equip ourselves for the battle. Well, I don't have time. Uh, it doesn't keep my attention when I try to read. I can't, it doesn't keep my, when I try to worship, it I don't like the songs that they pick. Why don't you go try to use those excuses in front of a general when you're getting equipped for, if the general calls you to do it, we do it. Amen. Amen. He probably knows better than us. So we have to practice these things. Point number three, the enemy, this is a big one. The enemy has a strategy for war. So if we don't have a strategy, you're already in big trouble. If you don't know how you're going to lead your family this year, if you're not going to lead your finances, if you're not going to, well, then you're already in trouble because the enemy has a great strategy for your life. Scripture says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you don't have a strategy for defending in all those areas, those things will show up in your life. Killing, stealing, and destroying will happen, I promise you. Ephesians 6.10, I read a little bit of it to you, but I want to read you some more. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in, mighty, in his mighty power, not our power, not in our self-help seek books. That's great. And we make goals and I'm not, I'm not coming against these. Obviously we believe in them, but if all we do is make these our own strategies and not his power, then we're wasting our time. So it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes the devil has schemes. Another translation says strategies against your life. And we have to be aware of how we defend ourselves in those strategies. And I'm talking about, you need to get really practical. 
Some of you get in situations where you know you're going to somebody's house or you got a friendship and you know there's going to be over drinking there. And you get in that situation and you just, you don't have a plan of attack. You and your spouse haven't made a decision about how you're going to handle that atmosphere. Are you with me? The enemy has a plan of attack. The truth is most of us aren't going to go get hooked on drugs. We're not going to go turn over and become alcoholics. We're not going to go rob banks. But it's all the little things that he's going to deceive you in. It's these schemes. It's these strategies. So you need to consider what are the ways that the enemy could be setting up a strategy. One translation says that the enemy has snares. Do you know every time I meet with somebody who's almost been taken out by the enemy, they look at me and they go, I just don't even know how this happened. I, everything was going this, and, and I didn't even think it was a big deal. And then, bam, it was a big deal. Are you with me? Financially, they made these decisions, and it snowballed into this. Or the, time, the way that they spent time with a female coworker. Lots of texting, lots of conversation, traveling together. You know, as a church, our staff, we can't sit in a room with another female with the door closed. We keep doors open. We have windows in every room. Why? Because there's schemes and strategies of the enemy that he'll try. It's weird. Vanessa and I, our children's director, will both have to go to the school at the same time in separate cars. Why? Because there's schemes and strategies. Amen. It's, it's wisdom. And so I'm telling you, the enemy has a strategy and we have to be aware of how we guard against it. Amen. So it says this, watch out for those schemes. It says, but for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces in heavenly realms. It says this, therefore put on the full armor of God. We're actually going to be teaching about the whole full armor of God coming up this year. But it says, put it all on so that the day that the evil comes, you may be able, may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done all your standing, stand some more. It's again saying, don't quit. Don't be a retreater. Don't be a, the Lord has closed the door. And I get it, the Lord closes the door. But it's not calling us to quit. Amen. Know who you are. As much as it's important for us to understand that the devil has a scheme, it's important for us to know that God's ways are higher. I know that's a church word, right? God's ways are higher. God's strategies are more effective and more important than the devil's. We give the devil too much credit. Amen. I actually heard Tom Brady say this this week. Of course, you know, great quarterback. And he actually said this, which surprised me. He said uh, that he spends more time studying game film of their own team than the opposition. You would think they'd want to look at the other team and pick it all apart and find its weaknesses. But Tom Brady's strategy is if we just do what we're great at, we'll get the victory. It should be the same thing in our Christian walk. We shouldn't do, spend so much time worrying about the scheme of the devil, what he's going to do, all this. Kind of, if we can walk in what God has called us to, we need to be aware of their schemes, but we don't give it glory. We don't give it authority because God's ways are higher. Am I making sense? Let's focus on what he's called us to. Uh, I thought about it like this. So many people, and they say, oh, the enemy is this, and my job is this, and my kid. Anybody can tell you what's wrong with something. Anybody can tell you what's not working. Let's use our faith and start speaking into what can be. Don't tell me what it is. Tell me what you see by faith. Don't tell me what it is. Tell me what he sees. Amen. Uh, if we don't intentionally tell ourselves who we are in the Lord, the enemy will tell you who you are according to him. So if we don't spend our time building ourselves up, equipping ourselves in what God says, you're going to start to believe the accuser of the brethren in your ear. Maybe I am only this. Maybe they really do feel that way. Maybe, are you with me? Start speaking what God says. 
We got this mindset. Oh, I just need to get through another day. I just need to get through another day. Oh, I just got to survive today. It's Monday and the kids and I got to survive. No, what if we start saying what God says about our days? Today, I wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. He's got a plan for me in it. Not I got to survive this thing. Instead, God's got a great plan in this day for me. I get to have this day. Amen. Point number four. This is so awesome. You're not alone in this war. You're not called to fight this battle by yourself. Second Kings chapter six. Uh, it's a story of a battle. Elisha, the prophet, is working with a servant of the king, and uh, they're in battle here. And uh, you see in verse 15, the servant of the man, uh, the servant of the man of God went out early the next morning, and an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asks. I love this. So they go out to check the battlefield, and they just see it's full, and they're surrounded. And the servant said, oh no, Lord. What are we going to do here? How many of us get a doctor's report or you get a financial bill or you look at something and you go, oh no, my Lord, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And I love this in verse 16, the prophet responds. He says this, don't be afraid. Remember 365 times that's said in scripture because every day you should know to not be afraid. Amen. Don't be afraid. He said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them, but they couldn't see that. And then it says this in verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes and the servant looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you know that those weren't real horses and real chariots of fire? He saw the spiritual realm. Are you with me? He looked up and said, I know this is the condition and I feel surrounded. But Elisha, the prophet prays and says, let him see what's really going on around here. I don't care what situation you walk into and you go, oh no, oh Lord. If we would just pray and open our eyes to what God's really doing around it, you might have a little bit different faith perspective. I wish that right now all of us could close our eyes and open them and see the warring angels all around us. Are you with me? If you could in your home see, are you with me? You would stay in the fight. You would stay in the battle because you're not alone. We need each other. Thinking about yesterday at Saturday morning prayer, people gathered in the middle with huge problems and real problems. And we got to lay hands on each other and pray and cry and worship. Why? Because we get to do this together. We're not alone. Yeah, it's spiritual warfare and yeah, it's a big deal. But guess what? We get to do it together. And not only do we do it together, but the scripture says that heaven's doing it with us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse three says, therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and every sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance for the race marked out for us. You have heaven interceding for you. You have this great cloud of witnesses in this with you. Romans chapter eight, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God also interceding for us. You got us doing it together. You got heaven and a great cloud of witnesses, and you even have Jesus Christ in this spiritual battle with you. How capable are we? Amen. I'll close with this. Uh, point number five is this. You may have heard it said this way before. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. It's already done. Christ settled all of our victories in him on the cross. I'm going to give it a little bit more context. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 5, uh, starting with 13. It says, When you were dead in your sins and of your flesh, 
God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them uh, by the cross. He was triumphant over it. So we're, again, we're not talking about he barely defeated it. said he made a spectacle. He ended it once and for all. It was the last stand. Are you with me on the cross? He did it all. Our healing is there. Our provision is there. When we, when we go in God, we have all that we need. I'll say it this way, just to give you a little more perspective. Uh, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We already have it. God already did it all. If you've ever had passes to anything, it kind of works like this. This is a terrible way for me to explain it, but it's also the best way for me to explain it. If you've ever had passes to anywhere, it's so much better to show up to something with passes, with the access. If you didn't have it, you show up, you're like, I wonder if I'm gonna get in. I wonder where I'm gonna be amongst the others. I don't know what kind of position I have. I, I'm just, I'm wondering, I don't know this because I don't have access. But when you have access, you got those backstage passes, you have the all access, you walk up to the situation like this, I'm in, it's good. I have victory already, I got the passes, I'm in. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's not a wondering if I'm gonna, is it going to, will it, how will it? It's, oh no, no, I already got it, it's right here. It's, it's already been, it's happened, I've been given permission, I have it. That's what victory in Jesus is. He's already done it all, he's already provided for us. So when we walk into a situation that doesn't line up with God's word, we go, oh, I already got this, God's in me, Christ's in me. I'll follow his ways, I'll follow his steps, I'll walk in what he's called us to, but I have this confidence like the script we just sang, we have this knowing this that, that he's faithful, that he'll do it again. His word promises it to be true. Amen? It's my favorite part about Disney. They give you these fast passes. And so when the line's like three miles long and it's four hours in the sun and you have a fast pass and you get to walk past dad, like, so good luck in that hour line with that four-year-old girl who's drinking a Mountain Dew. She's going to be a treat 20 minutes later. I got this fast pass. Look at that. Nothing's stopping me on this little mermaid ride. <clears throat> but we have this confidence that Christ in us is the hope of glory. All that we need is in him and we walk according to his way. Amen. Jesus defeated the enemy with the word of God. We need to too. Notice Christ still used the word. He's taken out in the desert and he's tempted and he said back to him the word. Spoke back the word. We got to use God's word to win this spiritual warfare. Um, I was uh, thinking about, uh, there's this show, Flash, that Charlie's really into. And, um, and there's this scene in there where, uh, I forget who, and it's probably quoting somebody else more famous. Uh, but he says this, he says, killing time wounds eternity. It's just one of the lines they threw out in there, but killing time wounds eternity. Heaven and eternity can't let us be a people who just run out the clock. When we're like, I'm saved, I just want to get to heaven, I don't care about spiritual warfare, I don't really care about that. Uh, when we kill time, when we're just trying to get through another day, that wounds eternity. That's why the scripture says, tomorrow is promised to no man. We got to go and war today. We got to make a difference today, tomorrow, every day. Amen.